Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. We're headed over to Tennessee today for Song of the Soul for a visit with Sparky Rucker. I had the privilege back in 2016 of interviewing the other half of the Sparky and Rhonda Rucker duo, and I finally got off my duff to complete the slate. Sparky was introduced to the music of the Civil Rights Movement when his mother took him to his first march at the age of 14, but he was already steeped in the music of the era in the black Pentecostal church of his youth and the distinctive Appalachian culture of the area. Sparky Rucker has woven together music, activism, history, and culture for more than five decades, raising and inspiring spirits everywhere. He is a talker and a storyteller, so you better plan on visiting northernspiritradio.org to listen to all of the bonus excerpts that we'll have to post there in order to fit this interview in our 55-minute broadcast. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on this program. And right now, we'll grab some of that inspiration as Sparky Rucker joins us via Zoom from Merrillville, Tennessee. Sparky, thank you so much for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Glad to be with you. Let me first check on it. I actually don't know why you got the name Sparky. I guess James was the name you grew up with or got on your birth certificate. How did you become a Sparky? Well, I'm a junior, James David Rucker, Jr., in fact, our son is the third, so, you know, I, I decided I would pass that on to him. <laughs> but my father, Sr., James Rucker Sr., was a uh, veteran of World War II, born in the, into a family whose father was a, a bishop of the Church of God, Comma Sanctified Church. He and his wife, Luola, had 12 kids, six boys, six girls. It was his older sister, my Aunt Ruth, when she first saw me. And, uh, you know, I was born almost nine months to the day of my father coming back from World War II. <laughs> and my Aunt Ruth came to the hospital to see the new baby. And she said, looked at me, and I opened up my eyes, and they were sparkling. And she said, oh, look at his pretty little sparky eyes, little sparky. And she just started calling me that, and the name stuck. So I've had that since I was six days old. I've had that nickname. And I've always said she must have looked through time and seen that I was going to play the blues, and it's a great nickname for a blues singer. (laughs) Well, and let's talk a little bit about where your music came from. You already mentioned uh, you've got a grandfather, father connected with the Church of God Sanctified. There's probably strong music influences there. Are there other ones that, I mean, you don't necessarily play blues in church. No, you don't do that. They tend to look with disfavor on blues. In fact, uh, I got to tell you something real quick. You ever heard of a woman named Ida Cox? Yeah. She used to go to my grandfather's church. But at, my grandfather died when I was a year old. He died in 47, 1947. And the next person who took over the church kicked Ida Cox out of the church because she was singing the blues. So I said, you know, if they could have looked forward through time and seen the kind of music that I play, they probably would have kicked me out too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, a lot of churches had that kind of reaction to music. You know, we've got a great song that we know, Strange Fruit, right? Right. 
she was dicey with churches. She grew up actually Catholic, but, you know, church was the blues, jazz, all that stuff is a little bit too racy or something for the church, right? Well, you know, I, I've never been one to do the, the racy blues songs, you know, because blues is the cry that people gave when they were in slavery. And it was a way to deal with the hardness of things. In fact, Rhonda and I, when we performed throughout the uh, United States, playing for some of these folk societies that want to keep everything non-political, well, now you can, don't want you doing any of those political songs. I said, well, then that cuts out everything we do, because everything we do is a protest song, be it a song that talks about the way the world is treating me, or if I'm talking about dealing with the police, or if I'm singing a song from one of the old British broadside ballads that was railing against the king, it's still a protest song. Or if I'm singing a song about going off to war, that's protesting what's happening in your life. I said everything is, you know, it's music that comes from people's experiences. And that's what I consider the music that, that we do. It's music that is of the people. And the first song that I'm hoping we do on, on this thing is a song that comes from a man named Robert Johnson. But it's from an old folk legend. Every culture that I've studied, and I've studied most of them, has a story about meeting an immortal on the road. Whether it's Theseus going into Thebes and having to deal with the Sphinx that gives him a riddle, that if he doesn't answer the riddle, he becomes the Sphinx's next meal. Or if it's the Elven Knight on the road, which is from the British ballads. Or whether it's talking about meeting Elegba or Eshu, which are the same character, whether you're Ashanti or Yoruba, which is where my main DNA comes from, is the Yoruba tribe of, out of Nigeria. And they had a belief of a character that was a trickster. And I always tell people, the trickster's not evil, the trickster's there to keep you from being boring, to put a blockade on that road and make you have to take another path, so that you'll expand your horizons. And so they would talk about meeting Elegba on the road. Well, when they were there as slaves down in Mississippi... They said, well, it sounds to me like you're talking about the devil. And that's where the whole myth behind that song that we're going to do, that I, I recorded in Germany back in 1983, a song called Crossroads. Here it is, Sparky Rucker, Crossroads. Went down to the crossroads, fell down on my knees. Lord, I went down to the crossroads. Fell down on my knees Well, you know that I asked the Lord to help me Save me, Lord, child, if you please Went down to the crossroads I tried to flag a ride I flagged it Mm -hmm. Went down to the Who had tried to flag it right But you know that nobody seemed to know me Everybody just passed me by I wonder why
sun is going down Oh, Lord, don't let them catch me here Don't let them catch me mm-hmm. Said the sun is going Lord, don't let them catch me here Well, I can feel the high wind rising See, the Lord is drawing near Tell my friend, poor Willie Brown Willie Brown, you can run You can run, you can You can tell my friend, poor Willie Brown Well, I went down to the crossroads I believe I'm sinking down And one thing I liked about using that song is seeing how enthusiastic that German audience was. Right. As you can hear in the way that they, they're cheering and cheering and cheering. They love this music. You know, we have had such a hard time in this country getting the powers that be to appreciate the music that comes out of the black Appalachian, especially tradition. But you play that music over in Germany, they love it. They had us playing in huge opera houses, you know. You know, I can't get invited to go to the Carnegie Hall in this country, but in Germany, I played in five or six beautiful opera houses like Carnegie Hall, and the people came dressed in tuxes and gowns and whatnot to see us perform. And after we played, they brought bouquets of roses up to us on stage. And I said, hey, man, I could get used to this. I mean, they treated us, <laughs> they treated us like we were special, which we were. <laughs> Well, Crossroads, you're a child of the 60s. I'm a, a wannabe child of the 60s because I didn't graduate high school until 72. But that song, you're singing it, and I'm saying, is that the song that Cream did? You know, it's just quite amazing because Robert Johnson's version is from way back, I don't know how far back, 20s, 30s? In the 30s. And so Cream's version is so different, but there it is. It's the process continued, just like God Bless the Child that Blood, Sweat, and Tears did. I thought that that was their original. I didn't realize. You didn't realize, yeah. (laughs) I remember when I was a a kid, it was a very popular rock and roll song, I Only Have Eyes for You by the Flamingos. My mother said, oh, they just ruined that song. What do you mean they ruined it? That's a great song. She said, no, no, I I was listening to that song when I was your age. (laughs) So it it came out during the war. Right. (laughs) It's wonderful to see them actually continue. And I feel like you and Rhonda have both been teachers of that folk culture as you've gone I know, schools, churches, everywhere you've, you've gone and conveyed that stuff. So Crossroads is one of them. What's the second one that we can listen to today for Song of the Soul? How about Big Road Blues? 
And why do you want to do Tommy Johnson's song? Well, I'm a person who likes to give credit to who taught me the song. Because, you know, we're just links in a chain. We, we who do traditional American folk music. And I consider the old-time blues American folk music. It's the most popular of American folk music, I might point out. But I met a man back in about 1968 or so. I was still in college, and I was performing at a folk festival in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the Folk Festival of the Smokies. Of course, being in that counterculture group, we call it the Smoke Festival of the Folkies. <laughs> <laughs> but they invited a man to come there, a guy named Babe Stovall, who was a wonderful, wonderful blues musician that grew out of the medicine show performer. So he was not just a person who played music, but he was a uh, an entertainer. In fact, Babe Stovall was the inspiration for Jerry Jeffs Walker's Mr. Bojangles. He would take his guitar and not only play the guitar, but he would dance as he played. And sometimes he'd put the guitar behind his head and play it backwards. Similar to the kind of things that Jimi Hendrix did. You know, what goes around comes around, obviously. One of the songs that he... Uh, taught me was Big Road Blues. But he didn't teach it to me as Big Road Blues. He taught it to me as Careless Love. He used that same lick, that Tommy Johnson lick. Later on, during my young life before I met Rhonda, I got to meet a man that was one of the old Mississippi Sheiks, a guy named Sam Chapman. And we were performing together at a festival. And I started doing that song Baby Taught Me and playing that lick, that all of a sudden, his eyes got big. He looked over at me like, you know that lick? Because that was a, the same lick they used in Stop and Go Blues. So, because Tommy Johnson had his people that he taught, Babe Stovall, Sam Chapman, and whatnot. And so it was like all of a sudden, him seeing a person playing the lick that he knew, and that's how we, he and I got to be good friends. So that's one of the reasons I wanted you to hear that song. And of course, when Rhonda and I recorded it, she added that answer back thing that you'll hear in the Big Road Blues song. You'll hear her singing on it. She's a wonderful singer, and she's the one playing piano on this song. Here it is, Big Road Blues, both Rhonda and Sparky Rucker.
more blues here today for Song of the Soul. My guest is Sparky Rucker. Uh, you'll find him and his wife Rhonda at sparkyandrhonda.com. Big Road Blues, originally back in 1928 is when it was first recorded. You know, one thing I noticed, as you said, Sparky, Big Road Blues, you've got Rhonda in there with you. Crossroads, which I guess you recorded live in 1983, she wasn't with you. When did the two of you, when did your paths meet at the crossroads, so to speak? (laughs) Yeah, well, we met in 86, and she, brazen woman that she was, approached me and asked if I would teach her how to play slide guitar. (laughs) And she told me she had seen me perform at at a festival in Louisville, Kentucky, where she lived. She was in high school. I mean, because I'm 15 years older than Rhonda, you know. Like I, like I said, can you imagine me being 15 and seeing this little baby and saying, I'm going to marry her when she grows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she had her whole path of being a doctor and everything in between that. In fact, yeah. in fact, she was in, she was still in medical school. She was on a psych rotation, so she had time to, to go out that day. She saw I was playing at this brown baggot for the arts that was part of this festival. And she approached me. In fact... What's funny is that after we got married and whatnot, I told her, I said, you know what? I bet you there's a picture that exists of us just before we met because there was a friend of mine there taking pictures of me at that concert. And sure enough, without telling me, she secretly got in touch with him and he looked through his stack. He found a picture of her waiting to talk to me at the concert. Oh, wow. And she had it (laughs) framed and she gave it to me for our anniversary. (laughs) She's from Kentucky originally, and you're from Tennessee originally. Yeah, well, you know, we know to to marry a woman over the mountain so that we're not marrying a cousin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure when the laws changed, the whole segregation and all the other odious things that are part of the history. Interracial marriage in the 1960s? I think 67 was when, when Loving versus Virginia. I think that's the year that happened. But I met her in, in 86, so I, you know, I, I slid in under the wire. <laughs> well, so how did the two of you end up making music together? She asked to learn some slide guitar from you? Well, you know, what's interesting, like I said, she was in medical school, and then she graduated in 87, so I met her in her last year of medical school. And she said, you know, I don't really want to do this. She has two older brothers that are physicians, and so it was a thing of, like, the family kind of pushed her into it. And uh, she didn't really want to do it. I said, what do you want to do? She said, well, I want to do music. I said, well, come on the road with me. You know, I I need a business manager because let me tell you something. I'm good at making money, but I'm not good at handling it. (laughs) You got $30. Well, shucks, I think I'll spend this $30. You know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, she's got the scientific head. I got the social studies head. And so she came on the road with me. She, She helped me keep up with our business affairs. And about two years later, 1988, she uh, had been taking these harmonicas with us on the road, and she'd been playing in the car. Let me tell you something. You want to know something that could break up a marriage? Have somebody try to learn to play harmonica in the car (laughs) (laughs) while you're driving 750 miles from Knoxville, Tennessee to Kansas City, Missouri. And I didn't remember this, but she said that we walked in and there was a friend of ours, a guy named Bob Sukiel, said as soon as I walked in, I said, Bob, teach this woman how to play harmonica. (laughs) (laughs) But that in February of 88, 
she came on stage and played a couple of songs with me. So that was the first time that she did that. And she's the real musician in this. You know, like I played by ear. I mean, she plays piano, organ, banjo, bones. You know, she's just a, she's a wonderful musician. She can play guitar, too. She's a better guitar player than me. I'm still a better blues player. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the raconteur, and she's the musician in this group. <laughs> I do hope people will go to northernspiritradio.org and just follow the link to Rhonda Rucker and listen to my interview with her. I had a wonderful time talking to her. I'd love to have some more of your music, but first I want to remind our listeners you are tuned in to Song of the Soul, and this is northernspiritradio.org, our website. So when you want to find Sparky and Rhonda, come via northernspiritradio.org, and we have the link there to Sparky and Rhonda. Com. All of our guests of the last 15 years are there. There's a place to post comments and rate the programs. There's a donate button, which is how the full-time work that we do is supported. Remember to support your local community radio station. Yes, indeed. You know this, Sparky, because over the years, and it's more true now than ever, the radio industry has become held by fewer and fewer hands. Six corporations now control 90% plus of the media in this country. Right. So you want to get on the radio, you have to have a local connection, and Clear Channel doesn't allow local connection. It's all just from the central control room somewhere. How did you work that out, connecting up, getting your music into the wider community? Once again, because the folk community has a lot of these community stations. Yeah, like in Madison, for Simply Folk, I've done several interviews, and they've recorded several of my live concerts, and it's gotten me played all over Wisconsin. So as I've gone throughout Wisconsin playing house concerts and whatnot, it's always a good crowd because people know who I am. They've heard me on Wisconsin Public Radio. You guys are so lucky because not a lot of states do that. I really want to get in a lot of your music here, and we're limited to 55 minutes, and so there will be bonus excerpts that people can listen to via NordenSpiritRadio.org. But right now, we're going to hear another of your songs. Which one? Let's do one of the Spirit. Let's do uh, Go Down Moses. What's your history with this song? Well, that song was one that I, I grew up listening to. You know, when you go, I went to a fundamentalist church. They call them Pentecostal churches. My grandfather's church, Church of God Sanctified, and a lot of people who've seen me in concert know that I tell a lot of stories about my grandfather and whatnot, even though I was a year old when he died. But he was so well known that people talked about him to me all the time, even as I got older. So, And in fact, my mother told me I'm very much like him. But growing up in that church, it's one of those churches where you go to, you don't just go to church on Sunday. We had something called HYPU, Holiness Young People's Union, that met on Saturday. And then on Wednesday, you had to go out for the Wednesday night service. And, <laughs> and of course, on Sunday, you were there all day long because there were two services and they'd feed you between the two so you didn't have any excuse to go home. But the Wednesday night service is always liked because that was the night that the piano player didn't show up. And some of these, as we call them, the old saints would show up and they would just stand up and start singing a song and so you'd end up singing songs a cappella. In fact, I'm just old enough that going to my grandfather's church were people who had been slaves as children. Now you think about that. Because of the age I am, 
And there's some of those people who had been kids at, during slavery were still alive when I was a kid. I remember seeing Civil War veterans in the Veterans Parade, these old men sitting in a car in a parade. So it's it's an interesting period of time. You know, when the centennial of the Civil War came along was when we recorded the Blue and Gray and Black and White, one of the albums that Ron and I did. So now you start thinking about, you know, it, it's a, when I was a kid in 1946, 47, 48, there were people still alive who were slaves as kids. And the music is carried all that time. Right. It's carried all that time. And so I would hear people sing songs like Go Down Moses and whatnot. But then I, I further learned that that was one of Harriet Tubman's favorite songs to sing because people called her Moses because she freed so many people on the Underground Railroad. And then even during the Civil War, she helped to lead a raid up the Combahee River. And that's another book, by the way, Rhonda wrote about. It's called Swing Low, Sweet Harriet. And it talks about Harriet Tubman being the spy and the scout that showed these people how to get up the road. There's 150 black troops of the second United States Colored Troops that went up and they freed 750 slaves in that raid. So she ended up being responsible for about 1,500 people that she freed on the Underground Railroad. And they said that she would sing that song at night while they were sitting around hiding in the woods. She would sing that song quietly to them. Go down Moses. Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Check it out. Here it is. Go down Moses. Sparky Rucker. When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people oppress so hard they could not stand. Let my people go, then go down, Moses. Saith the Lord, bold Moses said, Let my people go. If not, I'll smite your firstborn dead. Let my people go. Go down, Moses. Yeah. Hey. 
Haste, Moses, till the sea you've crossed. Let my people go. Pharaoh shall in the deep be lost. Let my people go. Go down, down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land. and Rhonda Rucker singing Go Down Moses. Their website is sparkyandrhonda.com. And how many people were singing with you on that? Just the two of us. <laughs> no, come on. There was at least a crowd. There was probably yeah. 750 slaves that were singing. I, yeah, that's the magic. That's the magic of recording. And, you know, the thing is, because of growing up in that church that I mentioned, in my head, I'm hearing all these voices. And so... When we're performing, we always try to get the audience to sing with us. And if I can get them singing loud enough, then I can sing other parts. And that's one of the things. That, so when we did that recording, I said, Rhonda, let's do all the parts on this. Well, give us some more music, Sparky. What should we do next? Well, let's do a song called C.C. Rider. And let me tell you a little bit about that before you do it. A lot of people don't know where that song comes from, but that basically comes from the fact that when the Methodist Church decided that they didn't have enough preachers to go around. They started buying up horses and mules and sending these people going from community to community to make sure that there was at least maybe every six weeks there was a, a real preacher coming in to preach. And they called them country circuit riders. C.C. Rider. And because when this preacher came into town, it was like having a celebrity come in and all of a sudden everybody turned out and whatnot. And you know that old story, a friend of mine, Named Scott Ainsley, I heard him tell the joke. He said, kid runs and said, Papa, Papa, the second rider's here. He said, quick, run down and lock up all the chickens and sit in your mama's lap till I get there. <laughs> <laughs> because they said that, you know, those preachers coming through town, they, you know, all the women fell in love with them. They'd end up eating up all the good food and stuff like that because people would save it back to feed the preacher when he came. And the lyrics of the song make a lot more sense with that joke in mind. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> So let's check out CC Rider. I'm playing banjo on this, and Rhonda's playing harmonica. Let's go to CC Rider.
Just to worry you off my mind Going away, baby Worry you off my mind Where you keep me worried Bothered all the time When the sun goes down Said a see, see, see right Just see what you have done See, see right See what you have done You have made me love you Now your man has come When the sun goes down See, see, see right The moon is shining bright See, see right Moon is shining bright Came in early this morning Clothes ain't fitting you right Soaking wet Looking for my good girl Ain't stopped walking yet I went looking for my good girl Ain't stopped walking yet When the sun go down I said, see, see, see riding Just see what you have done See, see, right See what you have done You have made me love you Now your man has come When the sun goes down That's a very different version of C.C. Ryder than the one I grew up with, having been born in 1954. Ma Rainey was the first one to record the song. Yeah. Weepy Booze did a recording that maybe you heard. Well, Laverne Baker was the first one I heard. Okay. Yeah. Ma Rainey was somewhere in the 1920s. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. She came out of Chattanooga where I taught school. And Ida Cox used to sing with Ma Rainey's traveling tent show. You know, I mentioned Ida Cox earlier. Ida Cox went to my granddaddy's church. But that's really interesting, though. You know, she goes to the church, and she's a famous blues singer, but blues is not okay in the church? Blues is not because it talks about things that aren't spiritual. Creaturely activities? Right, but it's the same (laughs) chord structure and everything. It really came out of the same music. Some talks about what's happening at home, and and the other talks about what's going to happen after you die. Mm (laughs) <laughs> but to me, it's all the same music, because it's music of the soul. And what's the shape of Sparky Rucker's soul? 
I mean, I, I figure you're in good with the divine, but tell me, what's yours like? Well, I'm such a creature of my growing up, which was basically in the church and then in the civil rights movement at a very young age. And that's how I stopped playing rock and roll was because of the civil rights music. Uh, a good friend of mine who was the music director at the Highlander Center, a guy named Guy Carawan, is the man that convinced me to one time we were at a, at a mass meeting and he said, Sparky, why don't you come up and lead everybody in, in this movement song? And I'm going, what? And, you know, I don't have any. And he handed me his guild guitar, his acoustic guild. Go on up there and lead people. You know, I've heard you singing. I was hooked after that. I got to meet people like Pete Seeger, Reverend Pearlie Brown, who taught me how to play slide guitar. I met Babe Stovall that I talked about earlier because of the civil rights movement. And then, of course, going from that into the anti-war movement. And I decided, instead of saying, somebody ought to do something about this mess, I told myself, well, I'm somebody. I've got to be the one to straighten this out. And that's, Mark, that's, if everybody understood that, this would be heaven on earth. If everybody knew that they had to do their part to straighten out everything, to treat everybody the way they're supposed to be treated, to feed the hungry, to clothe the orphan. The things that have been taught to us in the Sermon on the Mount and the things that I learned in college when somebody bought me, I say bought me, but, but you know, I, I took transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Sure. And somebody else had to pay for it because, you know, my daddy was still giving me $5 a week when I was in college for my lunches. <laughs> of course, $5 went a lot farther then than it did now. But this was in 64, you know, money still was worth something. I was in college right after the Freedom Summer of 64. Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman were still, nobody knew where their bodies were. I met the man named Buford Posey who dropped the dime on his cousin, Billy Wayne Posey, who was one of the people that killed those three civil rights workers. I met him at Highlander as he was hiding out under witness protection program. I got to meet people like Julian Bond and Rosa Parks and whatnot. I'm, I'm not just... Somebody who saw them in the crowd. I got to meet these people because I was involved in the movement so young. And that's why I am the person that I am. I got, and my mother took me to my first civil rights demonstration. You think about that for a minute. My mother (laughs) said, what I'm fighting for is your future, but you've got to help. Ain't no free ride. Everybody's got to do their part to make this thing work. You as a Quaker know what I'm talking about. Everybody's got to do their part. If we want this thing to survive, if right now what we're in, this COVID thing, everybody's got to work together to make this thing work. Well, folks, we're going to have a lot of bonus excerpts from this program, stuff that we won't fit into our 55-minute broadcast. So, folks, go to NordenSpiritRadio.org, listen to all the wonderful things that Sparky and I have been talking about, things you won't hear unless you listen to the bonus excerpts on our site. Sparky, we want to get in two more songs, I believe, and so where shall we head next? Let's do good old way, and then we'll close with the one that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I knew the name. I knew the song. As soon as I played it, I said, like, oh, yeah, that one. But where, would I, where did I learn this? You probably maybe know where it came through the folk process. Well, it comes out of the Southern Appalachia. In fact, Rhonda and I like to talk about this, that in Southern Appalachia, it's a combination of black, Native American, Irish, and Scott-Irish. It's those four cultures coming together that created what we call Southern Appalachian music. 
So here is, again, it's both Sparky and Rhonda Rucker. And we've got a couple other people singing with some, but we're doing most of the parts on this. Yeah, the, the sound comes together so well there. Two people wouldn't be quite full justice to it. We got more than that in the good old way. Sparky Rucker here today for Song of the Soul. As I went down in the valley to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me Rucker showing us the good old way. I assume that's you who's calling out, you know, oh, sisters, and that, that, that's you leading the... And that's the way I learned to sing in my in growing up in my church, doing that kind of thing and having the call and response thing happening in the song. Oh, yeah, that's the only way to do that song. That's, I think it sounds to me like a, a real religious song. Is that the kind of thing that would be done in a camp meeting or? Oh, yes. That's the kind of environment for it? Yeah, camp meetings, which started in, in the Southern Appalachia, but they did spread throughout the United States because, in fact, on Martha's Vineyard, there's a permanent place that people would have camp meetings all the time. It's interesting. If you ever get up that way, you should check it out. Go over to Martha's Vineyard and ask to see that camp meeting. Uh, it's these wonderful little they look like little Swiss houses, 
wonderful paint job. You can tell some crazy Christians did it. (laughs) (laughs) But these people lived in such remote areas of the world that they would have to come together way out of the hills and hollers to come together for about a month and they would commune with each other there. That's where, where how all the songs got spread around throughout that area was because of the camp meetings. And then they would give a chance for all these preachers to preach to more than the normal group that they used, got to preach to. But also that's how marriages were arranged. That's how barn raisings were set up, you know, times for people to get together because th- these people lived in really remote areas of the, of the world. You know, because camp meetings happened, there were two or three things they called the Great Awakenings that happened in this country. One was in the 1700s, but the last one was right after the Civil War, where we had close to a million people, both civilian and soldier, die. And people definitely felt they had to get together and cleanse themselves after so much bloodshed in this country. After this last four years, I think we're about ready for another Great Awakening. I think we need it, yeah. Yeah. Let's do this last song. Yeah, we got one last song, and you said this is one that you wrote. And it, yeah. <laughs> it's different, given how much music you've done over the years, I was expecting you to be overloaded with all kinds of songs that you wrote. But being so steeped in the folk tradition, you're not attached to it's got to have my name on it. Yeah, well, you know, every traditional song I do has me in it. And the way I know is because when I do traditional songs, a lot of times I'll add verses to it, but I don't say, and this is a verse I wrote. Now, when I hear people singing some of these old traditional songs that I sing, I hear people singing verses that I'm the one that wrote those verses. <laughs> but I've never walked up to them and said, I'm the one that wrote that verse, because that's my gift to the song. It's a good song, and I think, oh, man, let me add something to it here. This song that we're going to do is a song called Midnight Thirst, and I, I got to tell you just a little bit about it before we do it, because... I grew up during the time of where if you had a television, which most people didn't, but if you had one, you could only get one or two channels. You know, there was no cable or nothing like that. And only rich people could afford to have a big antenna, so you could only pick up what the rabbit ears could pick up. Right. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> in fact, the TV that my father finally bought was one that only picked up VHF channels, didn't pick up UHF channels. The UHF channel was one that a friend of mine had. His TV could pick that up. And they were the ones that late at night, they would play those old universal black and white horror movies. Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy, those kind of things. Wolfman, yeah. Right. And one day, I'm I'm just sitting there playing a riff. And I started singing. And I started making up verses and singing this song. And that's how it got written. It wasn't planned. It just happened. This comes from some deep place in your soul, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, Especially the howling in it. Right, right. And the thing is, it's called, the song is called Midnight Thirst. And I said, well, you know, all of those monsters seemed like about midnight was when they would come out of their grave or turn into a werewolf or <laughs> drink some tan leaves. And then now they're thirsty for your blood. And so I, it was as a joke. But it ended up being a good song. And I even got Rhonda to play some keyboard on it and do some howling. And my son, too, got him to do some howling. Oh, he's part of the howling. Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) Well, we've had a lot of stuff that's very serious tinged so far here today. Midnight Thirst is more fun. Right, I want to leave people with a laugh. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you've left us with so much to chew on and to drink deep from. And Midnight Thirst is just the perfect way to cap it off. <laughs> I think it's the foam on top of the beer, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, it's been really delightful to get to know you, Sparky. And you do keep that guest room available. And when time is available, I'll swing by and we'll stay all the way up to midnight. And I want to see what you drink at midnight. <laughs> You wouldn't be surprised, I don't think. <laughs> as long as it's single malt. <laughs> so again, we've been visiting with Sparky Rucker. He and Rhonda, their website is sparkyandrhonda.com. The link's on northernspiritradio.org. Come and listen to my interview with Rhonda from four years ago, back in 2016, and this one from Sparky with a lot more bonus excerpts, stuff that we couldn't include in the broadcast because we ran out of time. Because I run my mouth so much. <laughs> <laughs> and here is the last song for today's Song of the Soul from Sparky Rucker, Midnight Thirst. We'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul. Time to drink to midnight thirst. See that blood red moon arise up over the hill. When the light of the full moon hits him, you know he gets the urge to kill with a midnight thirst. Yes, he's got a midnight thirst. seen the sunlight, but Lord, he loves the moon with a midnight thirst. He's got a midnight thirst. Get ready for the thunder. Oh. Pennsylvania, living in a crypt, dressed in black, flying through the night. Everybody thinks he's hip with a midnight thirst. Old tracks got a midnight thirst. Get ready for the thunder. Oh.
got a midnight thirst. Get ready for the thunder. Under the stairs, he's all wet and scaly, and your flesh he'll tear with a midnight thirst. He's got a midnight thirst forget those jams and jellies. Got a midnight thirst. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.